Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. When I was in college, um, long ago, I I didn't have a kitchen. I I actually um, lived in a hotel room and but my mom had a restaurant, and, and so I would go to that restaurant and get food. Um, and I'd go there even on the off hours, and I would you know, cook my meals or whatever. Um, but one time, uh, I got there you know, early in the morning, and they weren't open because they didn't serve breakfast. And uh, I went to go make some breakfast, and I heard a noise from behind the restaurant. So, um, so I went out to see what the noise was, you know, thinking that, you know, maybe some dogs or, or, or raccoons or something. And uh, so when I went out there, I saw that the lid to the dumpster was open. And I saw a person rummaging around in there. And I walked up to the person, and there she was, Alyssa, my wife. And uh, so my heart was moved, and, uh, you know, she was digging for some food, and I was just moved with compassion. And... Um, and just seeing her just being out there so diligent, uh, I, I, was just, I was just moved. And so I said, Mom, Mom, let her bust some tables. Let her bust some tables. So she doesn't have to dig for food from the dumpsters. So then she can eat the leftovers there. Um, and that was the start of our romance, right there. Now, of course, I'm kidding. Uh, so uh, though I do think I did live in a hotel room, and I did go to the restaurant to cook, and I think that did do a lot to win Alyssa over, <laughs> um, because uh, if you feed her, you make her happy. Uh, but I told the story because it's similar uh, to the section of Ruth we're reading today. Um, if you remember last week, last week we went over Ruth 1. Uh, Naomi had left Moab, the land of Israel's ancestral enemies, um, after Naomi's and husband and sons died. And Ruth, Naomi's daughter-in-law, declared her allegiance to Naomi despite the death of her own husband, and she commits to follow Naomi back to Israel and to live as an Israelite. Uh, Naomi allows Ruth to follow her, but when Naomi is greeted by old friends, uh, she said that Naomi, her name means pleasant, and she says, no, no, my name's not Naomi anymore, when she sees all these old friends, and they all say, hey, what are you doing? She said, She said that God is working against her and has made her bitter, so call her Bitter or Mara. So that's where we left off. So now we're going to be going over chapter 2 of Ruth, and we're just going to read it first. Now Naomi had a respected relative, a man of worth through her husband from the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let's go to the field so that I may glean among the ears of grain behind someone whose eyes I might find favor. Naomi replied to her, go, my daughter. So she went, she arrived, and she gleaned in the fields behind the harvests. By chance, it happened to be a portion of the field that belonged to Boaz, who was from the family of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem. He said to the harvesters, may the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Boaz said to his young man, the one who is overseeing the harvesters, 
To whom does this young woman belong? The young man who was overseeing the harvesters answered, She is a young Moabite woman, the one who returned with Naomi from the territory of Moab. She said, Please let me glean so that I might gather up grain from among the bundles behind the harvesters. She arrived and has been on her feet from the morning until now and has sat down only for a moment. Boaz said to Ruth, Haven't you understood, my daughter? Don't glean in another field. Don't go anywhere else. Instead, stay here with my young women. Keep your eyes on the field they are harvesting and go along with them. I have ordered the young men not to assault you. Whenever you are thirsty, go to the jugs and drink from what the young men have filled. Then she bowed down, face to the ground, and replied to him, How is it that I, that I have found favor in your eyes, that you noticed me? I am an immigrant. Boaz responded to her, Everything that you did for your mother-in-law after your husband's death has been reported fully to me. How you left behind your father, your mother, and the land of your birth, and came to a people you hadn't known beforehand. May the Lord reward you for your deed. May you receive a rich reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to seek refuge. She said, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, sir, because you have comforted me, and because you've spoken kindly to your female servant, even though I am not one of your female servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here and eat some of the bread, and dip your piece in the vinegar. She sat alongside the harvesters, and he served roasted grain to her. She ate, was satisfied, and had leftovers. Then she got up to glean. Boaz ordered his young men, Let her glean between the bundles, and don't humiliate her. Also, pull out some of, from the bales for her, and leave them behind for her to glean, and don't scold her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and then she threshed what she had gleaned. It was about an ephah of barley. She picked it up and went into town. Her mother-in-law mother, her mother -in -law saw what she had gleaned. She brought out what she had left over after eating her fill and gave it to her. Her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? May the one who noticed you be blessed. She told her mother-in-law, with whom she had worked, and said, The name of the man with whom I work today, is Boaz. Naomi replied to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, who hasn't abandoned his faithfulness with the living or with the dead. Naomi said to her, That man is one of our close relatives. He is one of our redeemers. Ruth the Moabite replied, Furthermore, he said to me, Stay with my workers until they finished all of my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with this young woman so that men don't assault you on another field. Thus she stayed with Boaz's young women, gleaning until the completion of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, that's a, a full chapter, and especially whenever you're going through um, a big passage of Scripture, you kind of have to focus your eyes. Like, where are you going to look? Because there's so many things to get on. And there's so many things to teach you, right? We can talk about kinsmen and redeemers and like some of the cultural things. But instead of doing that, I want to just focus on the characters today. Um, the, the two main characters of this chapter, Ruth and Boaz. Um, and first, let's look at Ruth. Now, she's hardworking. She's dependable. She gets to Bethlehem immediately and tells Naomi, I'm going to go find us something to eat. You know, she, she, she's at work. She doesn't have a plan. 
she's just going to go and go and see what she can do. Whoever will let her gather what they fail to harvest. Um, she probably knows about this command in Leviticus 23:22. When you harvest your land's produce, you must not harvest all the way to the edge of your field. And don't gather every remaining bit of your harvest. Leave these items for the poor and the immigrant. I am the Lord your God. So she was hoping to find somebody that obeyed this command, right? Because as we discussed this week, discussed last week, in those days there was no king in Israel, and each person did as they thought was right. Okay, so a lot of people probably weren't following it because it was kind of a lawless time. Everybody did what was, they thought was right. Now, the big thing that's highlighted in this chapter is Ruth's foreignness. Um, three separate times it's referenced that she came from Moab or um, she was a Moabite. So the scripture, it's clearly showing that she's, um, she's not an Israelite. And her otherness is one of her main features. It makes her stand out. And I don't know if there was um, physical differences between the Moabites and the Israelites. Um, I mean, perhaps she stood out because she was a, a different shade of skin, maybe a bit lighter or a bit darker. Or perhaps she had an uncommon hair color or, um, or, or uh, maybe her eyes were shaped differently. Or maybe it was more subtle. Maybe her people were considered stockier or more petite. Um, something we wouldn't notice. But, you know, sometimes people that, like, kind of come from the culture, they can kind of notice, like, oh, yeah, you're from this area. Or maybe it's the way that she was dressed. Perhaps her clothes were made out of a different material or was cut in unfamiliar patterns. Or her head coverings were different. Maybe she wore a veil. Or perhaps it was just that she spoke with her accent and her body languages and her gestures were slightly different. Or maybe it was just because Bethlehem was a small village. Yeah, she just walked out of the sanctuary. <laughs> um, only a few hundred people lived there. So anyone new would stick out. Um, they'd stick out like a sore thumb and, you know, small villages. Somebody new kind of comes into town. Everybody wants to have a conversation about that person. Like, who is that person? What are they doing? Whatever the reason, Ruth's difference stood out. And, and this highlights something else about Ruth in this chapter. There are three times that there's talk about Reuben, uh, Ruth being attacked or um, scolded. Boaz to Ruth, Boaz to his workers, and um, which, how messed up it is, is it that like he has to tell his worker, hey, don't assault this girl, right? Like, shouldn't that be the given? But he has to tell him. And then um, Naomi to Ruth. Ruth's otherness makes her vulnerable. And she's triply vulnerable. As I said earlier, she's a foreigner. Not just any foreigner, she's a Moabite. Um, a people that Israelites believe to be cursed. Right? They, um, and Ruth is a target for anybody who gets uh, caught up in, in any racist ideology. Um, and honestly, uh, I could talk a lot about this. I mean, just last week, right? The gunman in Buffalo killed 10 individuals. Um, he wrote a screed against minorities because he believed that they were replacing white folks changing the nature of America. And he was referencing a, a, a political theory called replacement theory that's you know, been getting some traction, right? And it's all about new folks coming in and making things look different, taking our jobs, voting differently, whatever. And there is some truth to that. When new people come someplace, things change. People always change. Um, shoot, in neighborhoods, when you talk about that in the neighborhood level, that's gentrification. Um, but uh, that sort of idea, it becomes evil, it becomes 
it racist when the assumption is that the change is bad or that quote unquote those people must be stopped and how to stop them. Um, in an earlier draft of my sermon, I wrote a lot about this, but I'm just, I'll just leave it at that. But being perceived as a foreigner is dangerous. Being perceived as other is dangerous, um, especially when tensions are high. And I'd like to note, um, in 2020 to 2021, hate crimes against Asian Americans increased 339%. So in 220 to 221. In the first two, sorry, in the first three months of 2022, uh, more than one in 12 Asian Americans have reported being the target of a hate incident. And now, what's the big thing that happened in 2020? Right, the rise of COVID, um, all of our lives being up, up, you know, in uproar. And foreignness makes a convenient target. Being other makes you a target. It just does. And another way that she stood out was her poverty. Because when you're poor, you're often vulnerable. Right? And, and there's so many correlations between poverty and violence and inequities. Um, already as a poor person, she'd be, she'd be gathering in, in already harvested fields. Not, not the full fields, the already harvested ones. Um, that means she's, she's going after people's leavings, like just what they leave behind. You're gathering scraps. And that means, if you're doing that, if you're gathering scraps, you're probably unable to provide for yourself any other way. And since those fields have already been harvested, that means that she'd be out there alone. Okay, a vulnerable woman out there alone um, in those empty fields. Her poverty makes her vulnerable. And lastly, Ruth was a woman. She was a widow. 81% um, of women in the United States report experiencing some form of sexual harassment in adults or assault. Uh, one in six women have been the victim of a rape or of an attempted rape. Um, often to be a woman means that you have to live in a state of awareness of your surroundings and the people around you. And, and that, that's in modern enlightened America. I don't know if things were much better in ancient Israel. Um, also, Ruth was a widow. Uh, that meant that there wasn't a, someone in her life, there, was, there wasn't a, a man in her life that could offer protection, that could support her. Everyone knew she had no one. And that makes her a target because people prey on those that are considered weak or alone, that have no one. So that's Ruth. She is determined. She is hardworking. She is bold. But she's also somebody that society is not kind towards, someone that's at risk, not for what she does, because what she does is actually noble and honorable and good, but for who she is. A foreigner, poor, and a woman. Now, uh, let's look at Boaz next. In, in the first verse, we discover that Boaz is wealthy, and he, somehow he's related to uh, Naomi's deceased husband. But right off, so right off the bat, we learned that he is like the opposite of Ruth, right? He's local, he's rich, and he's a man. Okay, like the direct opposite. So privileged in every way that she is not. But what does he do with all of those privileges? 
What does she do with all of those things that she has? He uses them to bless Ruth. Boaz gives Ruth the opportunity to work. He gives permission to walk among the sheaths, not just, not just on the edges, to walk among the bundles of harvest. And, and, and she ensures that there's grain for her there to harvest, so she's not working in vain. And that he, she's working amongst people, right? Because um, Boaz is ensuring that Ruth is safe, that she has protection. Um, I already went through the ways so that Ruth was vulnerable. So, but Boaz ensures that nobody's going to take advantage of her circumstances. He warns her workers. He tells her to like be there when there's people there, so that her status, her circumstances, and her vulnerabilities will not be used for exploitation. He does that, and he offers Boaz offers nourishment. He invites Ruth to eat with his workers. He probably knows that she hasn't had much to eat. Who knows how long it's been since she had a full belly? He has her drink from the same water as his workers. He treats her as if she's fully equal to them. And Ruth asks, like, why are you doing these things? Why? I'm a foreigner. Boaz tells her, it's because you are a foreigner. That's why I'm doing it. She thought that disqualified her. And Boaz says, no, 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 that's why I'm doing it. It's because you're a foreigner, because you're an immigrant. It's because this is not your home, and you journeyed here in hopes for a better life for your mother-in-law. You left your father, your mother, your nations, their customs, all to live amongst strangers. That's why Boaz blessed her, because of her otherness. Because of what all that meant. And he offers Ruth a blessing in uh, Ruth 2.12. May the Lord reward you for your deed. May you receive a rich reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to seek refuge. Um, here's the thing. Ruth is one of those books where you have to kind of look for God. You know, God doesn't show up as a dramatic character. It's not, he's not explicit. But it's there. He's there. He's revealed in the chapter. And where is he revealed in the chapter? When Ruth went out to work in the field to find somebody to work, God was there guiding her to the right place, to somebody that would protect her. When Boaz inquired about the young woman standing waiting for permission to glean the edges of the field in the hot Middle Eastern sun, God was there moving him with compassion, impressing him with her faithfulness, encouraging him to use his position to help her, to be a blessing to her. God is always there. And in this life, there are many times in life where we might be a Ruth, where we might be struggling to be faithful when the chips are down, when life is hard and it doesn't look good, when we might be someone that is seen as vulnerable and weak and prone to be exploited. But God is there. God is with you. God has not forgotten you. Do not despair and forget him. He has not forgotten you. Or you might be a Boaz. Someone that was born with certain advantages as being a wealthy Israelite male. Okay, it doesn't blame him for that. But he's credited with righteousness for what he did with those advantages. Okay, people are born with all sorts of stuff. That's just the way it is. Okay, but what do you do with it? He used what he had to protect and to lift up Ruth. What do you do with the blessings that you have? Because God's blessings are like living water, right? They're meant to keep moving 
right? They're meant to keep moving. They're, they're meant to continue on, to be a blessing to other people. The blessings don't stop with you. They flow through you. Are you a Boaz? James 1.27, true devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating us. Are you caring for the least of these? First uh, John 3, 16 through 19, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against them, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not walk in word or talk, but in deed and truth. By this we shall know we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. You catch that last little bit? By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts. It is through providing for our brothers and sisters in need, not by hoarding God's goodness, the goodness of his grace and the goodness of his provision. By, by giving that away, by using it to bless others, that's how we know that we are with God and the Holy Spirit is active in their life. Sometimes in life you will be a Ruth. You will need compassion and mercy. And you will have to stand steadfast in the face of adversity. Okay? I think everybody at some time will be a Ruth. But at other times you're going to be a Boaz. And in America, I think often we're Boazes. And we're called to look upon others with compassion. And to be moved to provide, not just with temporary alms, though that's important, but to help people change their lives. Paul says in Philippians 4, uh, 12 through 13, I know the experience of being in need and of having more than enough. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every circumstance, whether full or hungry, whether having plenty or being poor. I can endure all these things through the power of the one who gives me strength. What's that secret? What's that secret that he learned? That God is with him in his need and in his plenty. And so what do we do when we're in need? To whom do we turn? And what do we do when we're in plenty? Church, let's pray. Holy Father, you are so good. You do not forget us. but you walk with us, Lord. And Lord, we pray to open our hearts for you to guide our steps, Lord. To guide our steps when we are Ruth, when we're in hard circumstances and full of need, Lord. Lord, guide our feet um, to, whom, to whom you would have us go, to where you would have us go, to where we could work and survive and flourish, Lord. And Lord, um, be with us, Lord, when we are like Boaz, when we are full of privilege. But Lord, teach us how to be good stewards of that. Teach us how to responsibly give and share and support the Ruths in our lives, Lord. Give us eyes to see them. 
in Christ's name.